0: Hello, Noah. Oh my gosh. Hello, (laughs) dude. What is up? It is a honor and a long missed pleasure to hear your voice.
1: Oh my gosh, dude. I'm like smiling. I'm I'm smiling so big right now. I I
0: am too. The feeling is (laughs) mutual.
1: Oh my gosh, man. Uh, Dude, thanks so much for uh, wanting to come on the show, man.
0: Thank you for having me. I mean, I ever since you started doing these, I, I remember seeing like the first notification that you had put an episode out. And I was like, well, that's a cool initiative. And um, <laughs> I just cannot believe I've been lucky enough to be welcomed on here as one of the episodes.
1: Dude, yeah, I'm so excited because if you've listened to the previous episodes, I constantly am saying how I have this animosity em- for you, you know, this hatred for you. So I'm finally glad
0: that we can uh, have you on. We can just go at it. I'm I'm prepared to just level this whole relationship right now.
1: <laughs> it all started on that Monday when you didn't open that door for me, you scumbag.
0: Well, you just had a look on your face. <laughs> and I just could not justify being nice to you. <laughs> you no, you interact with people sometime and you just, you want to be nice, but you're just like, mm. I just I can't justify with that
1: one. To to be fair, I was a diva on set.
0: (laughs) Um, I was was trying to. Well, no, somebody asked me who I was doing this the podcast with because I had told them about different people who were on the cast of Twelve Mighty Orphans, uh and they were like, "Was this one of the? Was this one of like the more kind of like chill ones, or was this the one that kind of was like just having a good time, or like like what?" And I'm like, "Oh, he was much more chill (laughs) and much more calm."
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you for covering for me. I, you've always been a good liar. So, and I'm that's and that. that's
0: not to say anything in particular. I just it's it was fascinating seeing kind of everybody's working styles. And some people really yeah. like to have kind of like a hyper schedule while they're yeah. on set. And I really just admired your ability to slow it down because that's kind of how I operate too.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what? That is so funny because I was thinking about before before this, and I'm being dead serious. I was thinking about. Why, huh? I wonder why me and Noah got along so well. And I was like, it's not just the movie thing because we both are film buffs. Yeah, I would say. But also, I was like, you know what? He was just pretty chill. <laughs> like, I think I'm more drawn towards people that don't have to talk all the time and that are just pretty laid back. And you definitely are. So I, you know, likewise,
0: friend. <laughs> well. No, I mean, I, I could not agree more. I'm just, I'm always somebody, I totally, uh, listen, I admire people that can be super hyper while on a job and then still maintain the balance of, like, focus. Yes. But I'm kind of somebody, like, I can, I like being hyper on set and kind of when I'm in sort of the zone. Uh-huh. But when it's kind of, when it's kind of, like, I, I don't know how to describe it, When like when it's kind of, like, chill out time, I mean, I, I need to just chill out because I guess, like, I'm sure I feel like you're the same way where like, I'm just like f- kind of running on so many different levels during a given day that when yeah. I have a minute to sit down and relax, I'm going to sit down and relax.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, I love that so much. Like you're, you're, you're reading my mind. That's just how I feel. But uh, hey, just to give uh, the listeners um, some backstory. So um, as I've mentioned before, I did this film, uh, this feature film in Texas uh, around this time last year, I guess we wrapped up. Um, and I know Noah, he was a PA on set, easily the best PA I've ever worked with. And he would uh, just always be on set, always just, you know, great guy to be around. And then also he'd come over and or I believe, no, you were at the same hotel as us, weren't you?
0: At the, at the start, I was not, but I like, I requested that I be moved closer yes. to you all. I because think we requested
1: because we we, I we, I mean, we hung out all the time, so it well, at just worked point better. In time,
0: I'm I'm just like I mean I'm working with you all 24 seven, and it would be much. It honestly was just it just made more sense for me to room closer to you guys than the rest of the crew because I just as much as I loved working with the rest of the crew, I was kind of around you guys the most, mm-hmm. and I wanted yeah. to make sure you know that I was on a good you know good terms with you all because I was going to have <laughs> to see you every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, and plus I mean like you're you were in our age group and you fit right in man if anything the movie could should be called uh 13 mighty orphans <laughs>
0: <laughs> i appreciate that very much uh, yeah
1: you're just easy going and i remember the first time uh we re- we really hit it off we were talking about how we both worked with um someone similar uh what's his last name his first name's grant you know who i'm Yeah, talking. it's
0: I it escapes me right now i wish i could remember it
1: i can't remember his last name but uh um... was like one of the
0: mo- it was one of the most like random similar connections that we that we could have had yes like, it was like like the if there's like a l- a level in like the nashville film scene below independent movies <laughs> i feel like that's kind of the level that we happen to know somebody from <laughs> like yeah kind of like between independent films and student films
1: <laughs> it's like yes that level where like i'm surprised you even like I, I think you
0: asked me you were like or how did it happen you well, maybe to, be, you to mentioned... be perfectly honest i i inevitably did some research on all oh, of you okay. before i met you just because i i just like to know kind of who i'm about to meet on any given set <laughs> no i agree i do the same thing And uh, I kind of, I think it was on your IMDb page or something. It was just one of the credits and I can't, I think it might've been like one of the more recent credits. And I just clicked on it because I was just curious, just like kind of who you might've worked with. And sure enough, it's just like this kid from Nashville that I happened to randomly work on a student film set with. And I thought I was like seeing things. And I looked back in my, I literally looked like back in my camera roll, like two years. I'm like, nope, that's the same kid. And so that was like one of the first talking points I tried to, you know, hit you with to try and start a conversation between
1: us. And I remember you said that to me. And it was one of my diva days. And I said (laughs) to you, please don't look me in the eyes. And I walked away and I had you escorted
0: off set for the day.
1: But then the next day we got to know each other a little bit better and yeah. everything was good.
0: Now, I, was, uh, I was given, I was given permission to come within a five foot radius.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, at times, not, a, not at, always at, at times, but at times, <laughs> um, uh, Oh yes. And then I, I guess I can kind of mention this. Um, I also helped you, uh, tape an audition for 12 mighty orphans. You did, um, you did which
0: You nailed, by the way. Thank you very much. It was I, out of all the people I could have had read it with me, I'm very glad it was you because it definitely was not a, it was not the most lighthearted scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I don't even know if we can say what it was. I, but... I, I won't. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, I, won't, very... I won't say. I won't say anything more on that. But I'll just say definitely for somebody to just randomly ask you to read a scene with them who you've Mm. never read with before. It was definitely a subject matter that most people would be a little bit hesitant to go. And
1: I can say this part though, because I, it was an, I was, uh, it was an article on the film that uh, the scene that we taped you for, I don't know if you saw this or not, but it was cut out and they had to, um, uh, reshoot it a, a different way using old footage of different yeah, I, films and different did you know that
0: i did i was just afraid to say too much or too little so i just i was just quiet
1: no, <laughs> no 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 that's the best thing i tried to do the same but i remember reading an article and if it's out there then i can say it and you yeah. know only my mom
0: listens to this thing so we, we'll be fine <laughs> yeah, you, never, she, you never know dude. you never know if it's on spotify it's out there forever yeah yeah that's true that's true yeah so don't say anything you'll you'll regret it um, I'm 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 counting on myself not to.
1: Yeah, and please don't go murder anyone. That way, they try to cancel me just for having you on, even though it was <laughs> after this. So don't murder oh anyone. <laughs>
0: well, well, it'll clearly be in direct alignment to whatever we talked about.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I wanted before uh I I start asking you, I, I wanted to throw some questions your way before we do that. I thought I could share the story uh, with the audience i i hope you remember uh if not, I'll do the best to remind you so <laughs> okay, so during the course of shooting twelve my orphans, we stayed in uh three three different hotels, and so the last hotel, the one that you stayed in uh you stayed at as well yeah. um I don't know if you remember this, but in my
0: room it stank like it it
1: <laughs> something <laughs> It's, do you there, remember this? something
0: something happened in there i don't know what but something happened in there that should not have happened in there.
1: okay so i can't remember if it was you or woodrow that i ended up telling what happened i think it was both of you it might have just been woody but i'm gonna share it with you if I did, I, I
0: literally, I do not have any idea what happened. I just knew that something happened in there that should not have happened.
1: Okay. So it might've just been Woodrow that I told who I had on this show. I, you got to go listen to that episode if you haven't. Oh my God. I, I, I absolutely will. Uh, Woody's just great to talk to. and He's great to listen to. He's such a humble, just awesome guy. But uh, anyway, oh so we're all wondering what has died in Sampley's room? Like, Oh my God, it just smelled horrible in there. <laughs> so I go downstairs, I say, and you know, I'm, if it was something that I could live with, then I, I would have just stayed in that room. But I it hurt to breathe. So I was like, hey, <laughs> if you change a room, it stinks in that room. And they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. They did it, you know, no hesitation. I got moved into a different room the next day. So that night I actually spent the night in Woodrow's room, and um, which was fun. I fell asleep to him playing Spider-Man on the PlayStation <laughs> And then um, I'm just going to put that
0: in there. Perfect, perfect ambiance for sleeping. Yes.
1: Yes, it is. Just Peter Parker swinging around New York. Um, <laughs> so I spend the night at Woodrow's room. I move into the next room, put all my bags in there. And then I think we all went out to eat or something. And then I come back and it smells in that room again. And, and this time I think, oh, no, that means it's something I have. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. That, like this room just stinks. And so I was going through all my bags, all my bags. And then I come finally to my athletic bag. And I hadn't opened it yet.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember this? Okay, I do now. Yeah. And I
1: opened it and it smelled like oh, just terrible. And what had happened was when I was, when we were moving to the next hotel, I had this protein shaker that I'd been using and I didn't clean it out the last time I used it. And so I just threw it in my bag and it sat there and then it sat in the trunk of my car and I, and then I moved it back in. So it already smelled like feet and that <laughs> and it combined with the, the milk and the powder and the fruit in there. And it, the, it was so potent. I don't know if you—you
0: you literally had like a science experiment in your athletic bag that you had no idea about.
1: It was terrible, and so I ended up throwing away the whole bag. And it was one of my favorite bags too. Um, and
0: it, it should have been one of—it it was the best choice you ever made.
1: Yes, but um, I just thought uh, the listeners would get a kick out of that, just because I feel like everyone in their life goes through something like that where they complain about something, and then it ends up being them and i think i made you promise not to tell anyone
0: <laughs> i think i mean just talking about it makes me remember like the smell so i yes. i I choose not to talk about it for my own well-being so <laughs> i'm glad we could go ahead and just get it out there so that whoever listens to this can hear the story and i don't have to <laughs> share it with anybody that hasn't
1: heard yes. yes um okay okay smelly stuff aside <laughs> another reason why i think uh uh i was just really drawn to you as a person you're just really cool to hang out with is that um i had a movie collection in my hotel room that i brought and you were like looking at and be like oh this movie's awesome this movie's awesome oh you, oh this is on criterion and i was like you know what criterion is like <laughs> and then the other guys like knew what that was
0: it's a secret club. It's a secret club.
1: It really does feel like that sometimes. And yeah. I kind of feel special when I go to Barnes and Noble and I'm in that like like that uh that area like looking through the films. Uh I yeah. feel like uh a little, you know, I feel better than everyone else in that in that sliver of time. And then I yeah. leave and then I'm like, "Oh, I'm just normal like everyone else. I'm not special. My mom's a liar." <laughs> <laughs> but um uh uh, you notice that and i was like oh this guy this yeah. guy knows this stuff we talked about seven samurai we talked about um i'm trying to think um what was it? oh uh, today's topic of course the, we're going to talk about later is blade runner which we both have mm-hmm. a huge yeah. love for um so i guess we really never got to sit down and talk about this while we were there on set because mainly you know when we were on offset, I would hang out with you. But when we were on
0: set, I would ignore you. Uh, you know, we keep up <laughs> the image. <laughs> no, okay.
1: um, but um, I
0: tried my best to ignore you too, but I just couldn't help but talk to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Noah, I uh, wait. Have I even said your name yet? The I mean, it's going to be in the titles. But to everyone listening, this is Noah Winter. I don't think
0: I said your full name yet. You're- you might have, but I've already I've already gotten so deep into the conversation I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Um,
0: it's all it's all good.
1: Um, oh, what was that about? Oh, I was just gonna ask you. So, how did you fall in love with film? Why are you doing what you're doing? And then tell me a little bit about. Um, I believe you. Or what's going on with the whole New York
0: thing? Because you were going to school in New York. Has that stopped due to COVID? It it's. It's not stopped so much as like a lot of other people right now, just kind of taken on a different form. Okay. And that's obviously kind of more on a digital level now. And um, the school that I've been at, which highly recommend people, you know, check it out for whatever level of the industry you're on. It's called the New York Film Academy. And what's amazing about it is it's kind of set up like a trade school. And by that, I mean that you kind of come in, based on the specific angle you want to pursue, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then based on what angle of kind of the industry you want to pursue, the classes are uh, kind of dispersed out in multiple different time sections. So you can literally come for a week. You can come for two weeks up to like, you can come for like two years. And the reason they do that is because they have active professionals in the industry teaching as well as attending the school and because it's a flexible schedule like that you could go take a job maybe want to pick up a couple new skills come to the academy drop in for about two weeks complete that course and then go right back out
1: i believe that's the same school where i've watched like al pacino comes and does a talk maybe yes great
0: great speaker series and um they have made the transition to kind of digital COVID era school mm-hmm. with flying with like, just with flying colors. I mean, oh, truly awesome. They are just, every teacher is like actively working in the industry. Um, you know, every person that is there kind of wants to be there if that makes sense. Yes. No. Yeah. Because um, kind of like a big part of like my journey into just loving film and getting more into film was um, I was at a school in Nashville right after I graduated high school for about two years where I was kind of studying a mix of different, you know, different majors. I was studying film. I loved film, but I kind of was like still having to convince myself that it was worth it to go for it. If you know what I mean? Yeah, No, it's a daunting thing for sure. And kind of over the course of just like refining my, I guess, my taste and my kind of conviction towards my love of just movies and the movie industry, that just kind of you know domino effect led to me leaving this school in Nashville and going to New York because one of the things I encountered at this kind of traditional university was I was in the film program, but the entry into the film program was much more, not lenient, but it was much more easy to kind of by happenstance just find yourself in the film program. And because of that, you get a very mixed bag of people who maybe – are just kind of there because they think it'll be an easy thing to do. Wow. Are there because they're, they're crazy about it or are just kind of there because they're kind of figuring it out, if you know what I mean. Yes. And when I kind of transitioned to going to New York and kind of making that kind of leap of faith, and it definitely was a leap of faith. Oh, yeah.
1: Because um, where were you prior to nice that?
0: Tennessee? Go for
1: it. So you were in Tennessee and then you went to Nashville. Oh, I'm sorry, you went to Tennessee and you went to uh, New <laughs> yeah. York.
0: So so I, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. And for anybody that doesn't know, that's about two hours east of Nashville. And um I graduated high school in Knoxville. I loved growing up in Knoxville, but you know, I mean, you can relate to this very well coming from maybe a similar town in the south. There's kind of an element there where I could tell that if I would have stayed there, I probably would have kind of gotten stuck there. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? And um, and that's I mean, it's there are so many people I grew up with who like, they love Knoxville. It is totally their thing. It is their, it is just, they, they live and they breathe it. And I respect that. I was just kind of always in the mindset that I really wanted to just kind of get out there and just like, see what else was going on.
1: No. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. And I don't know. Uh, so Knoxville has like, they, they are really big right now for doing the um like, Like almost docu fiction, like murder, like on the like um on the Discovery Channel. Yeah,
0: it's like uh like yeah like the yeah yeah yeah. So it's it yeah it it kind of just blew up after I like left there to go to college. It was insane. It just became yeah.
1: But the thing is, you know, you could do that there, but then that's all you'll ever you'll that's all you'll ever do in Knoxville. And if you want to be a director or an actor, like you need to maybe do that once or twice and then move up. So I totally get like being like, all right, guys,
0: I got to go somewhere else. Totally. And so what kind of happened, kind of going back to your point, it's like you kind of just like take these gradual stair yeah. steps towards things. And I always knew that New York was there. But I mean, when I graduated high school, I'm like, no way in like in <laughs> am I am I going to New York. I'm like that just I wasn't afraid of new york or anything it just it just did not it just didn't feel right and looking back i now know it's not because it wasn't right it's because it wasn't the right time yet and so it kind of just became this gradual stair step where i kind of split the difference and i went you know two hours away from knoxville to this school in nashville and um, i I won't say it just because i'm talking about some of their programs and i don't want to you know specifically call out a program of theirs that someone else might have a different Uh opinion on because this is just this is just my experience um, and, um, so I, I kind of went there just to kind of start expanding my comfort zone a little bit, you know, you know, I'd like, I'd done a lot of filmmaking projects and like acting projects and just like fun kind of personal mm-hmm. projects and, and sort of like side businesses growing up in Knoxville, but it was always with people kind of that I already knew in familiar places and familiar circumstances so it was pretty easy to kind of, the learning curve was very small, <clears throat> you know what I mean? And so the school in Nashville was kind of my way of, you know, trying out a n- new level to outside of my comfort zone and seeing if I could recreate that same uh, love of film and working dynamic in a totally new environment. And um, so that's kind of what that whole time at this school in Nashville became for about two years. It just me figuring out if I could feel the same way I felt about the, about film and the film industry growing up in Knoxville, doing my own personal projects, but now like in an actual place sort of designated for the study of that.
1: No, yeah, no. If,
0: if, if you if No, I them. do flow, yeah. Um, and so what basically ended up happening is, you know, it was a, it was kind of a long, kind of like ebbing and flowing path, just to get to a point where I really felt comfortable kind of in this sort of student film mm-hmm. community. And it was it was really cool because at a very kind of early time in my uh, in my the years that I spent there, I ended up kind of already working on senior films while I was a freshman. Um, And that just kind of came as a result of kind of the same thing that you and I kind of actively do when we're on set, like on a place in Texas where it's just constant curiosity, constant consistency. And a constant, just willingness, just to kind of try anything when it comes to working. On yes, set.
1: and that even means sneaking into the stars trailer to uh, <laughs> look at their script <laughs> to see if maybe you can rewrite some things. That's
0: that's a special tactic reserved for the. Veteran. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're you're, you're well you're welcome to drop that tactic as a hint. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, and it was amazing. Like, I felt very, I felt very appreciated. I felt very rewarded for the stuff I was working on. I felt like I'd found an amazing community of people. But it was just kind of the same thing again, where it was kind of like I'd reached the Knoxville feel, but in a new place where, like, I had an amazing group of people. I loved working with them. I still am in contact with a lot of them. But me personally, and just how I felt about where I was headed, I felt like I was kind of, on a little bit of a plateau if Mm -hmm. that makes sense and that doesn't mean by any chance I was perfect and I was doing everything amazing like I had so much more to do at that school but over the course of those two years I could feel my comfort zone starting to kind of expand once Mm -hmm. again to an even kind of further destination and so it started kind of happening I was like I love what I'm doing here I love the connections I've made I'm so proud of how I've made those connections let's see what happens if I can put myself in like an epicenter of the film industry and use those same tactics that got me into a community here. Does no. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, sorry to keep saying, does that make sense? Cause I know I'm saying a lot. So no I dude, everything, sure you're,
1: everything you're saying, like also applies to like my acting career. Like you're absolutely right. Like if, if you don't mind me interrupting, it's no, ab- so please, please, when please. I first started, you know, the first thing I ever did um, was I was an extra and a stand in in uh, a movie that came to Huntsville. And so okay. I did that that's, that's and awesome. I was like, OK, now yeah. how do I how do I uh, do this again? But I want to be I want to be I want to have lines. I want to be one of the main cast. So, totally, so I, totally. that means I got to start taking acting classes continuously. That means I got to do stuff for no pay you know not getting anything i'm i'm spending money to do it for uh like one or one or two years which i did you know uh short films a lot a lot of student films and and you know when you do student films as an actor you kind of hope they know what they're doing and i was really really blessed i <laughs> <To laughs> work at a yeah. school uh i i booked this supporting uh or strong supporting role at uh, and it was uh, Watkins University, which I think now Belmont yeah. is absorbing. And I got to work with some, like I mean, they are they are still working in the industry today. I got to work with maybe one of the best uh, directors of photography uh, directors of photography I've ever worked with. Like the footage I have for that yeah. short film, I still have on my acting reel because one, uh, I did oh. I did a pretty good job, and two, it it looks the it looks like the best thing I've done they which is weird because i'm
0: no it's i i laugh not out of like a like laughing (laughs) I laugh because like it's it's so relatable because it's so true so many times when you get into the kind of like that level of the industry which is like kind of in that realm right right around like independent film and Uh student films it's amazing because you will either find you know the most Ridiculous set experiences you've yes. ever had, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> or you will find these little pockets of people who are just in Dude, the zone. Yeah. I mean, they're just like they are operating on a level that you might not even see on a feature on a feature Absolutely film. Absolutely agree like, with you. They they operate on a level where like you could put a you could put like a million dollar franchise in these kids' hands and they would take it to the moon. Like, and it's, and that's, what's so cool about it. It's like the quality that comes out of those kind of tight knit groups of people who just live and breathe this Mm -hmm. stuff is like what literally, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you. It is what literally kind of re-upped my love of the industry to just keep pushing forward with my momentum.
1: Dude, absolutely. I mean, when you find people that have that same drive and hustle, if not even more than you, you're just like, dang, I got to step it up.
0: But, yeah, no, I mean, everybody feeds into one another. And, you know, a lot of times like I uh, people when I talk when people talk to me about the film industry and they aren't necessarily in the film industry, they always ask, like, you know, why is it so kind of is it like, you know, cheating that like you always see the same people getting roles and the same people getting spots on a crew and the same people getting spots on a on on a production or as producers. And I'm like, when you've kind of had a little Kind of foray into the film industry. One of the first things you learn is the absolute backbone of any part of the industry is people having their kind of designated squad. Dude,
1: absolutely, because it's like if, for example, um, David McFarland, yeah, who was yeah on Twelve right. Mighty Orphans. Like, if I could get him every single time I was acting in a film, because one, he's amazing at his job. He knows what he's doing. Like. I know he was making us look good. I've seen some of the shots from the film. They look amazing. If if I, oh, they're, him,
0: they're breathtaking, really <laughs> if
1: I could have him every single time a film was being made, why wouldn't I? He's easy to work with and, yeah. he's, and he's, he kicks butt at his job. So it's like, why would I want to ruin that? You know, why would I with someone else totally. unless and, he's not available?
0: <laughs> totally. And on like another level, you know, if like for the viewers out there, making a film when you break it down is... Oftentimes, the most labor-intensive, minute detail, (laughs) like demanding, most like just multifaceted process you can imagine. Because it is, and what I love about it's one of the only it's one of the only industries where every other industry converges. Yeah, and on any given set, you're gonna have analytical people, creative people, like. You know, financial people, carpenters, artists, writers, producers, like
1: hair and makeup. Don't forget about
0: hair, hair and makeup. How can I? (laughs) And you have like all these fields converging to literally make something from scratch. Yes. And if you, as a producer, as an actor, as anybody, if you can have your go-to squad of people. It takes so much pressure off your shoulders when you don't have to think about who to call on when you need help. On yes, a yes. I
1: think that's. You're, I, you're, think you, oh, I think you just. Oh, sorry. No, no, I, please, I, ahead, you just ahead. described why film and TV are my favorite art forms because when you write a book, it's just the author, right? Maybe sometimes you have a co author, but mainly it's one or two people. 100% yeah. of the time. It's probably just going to be one person, or a painting. It's just going to be painted by one person. But with film and TV, like you said, all these different people come from different films to put their name on something that ends yeah. up being great or not so
0: great. But most of the time, they had a really great time doing it. And the crazy thing is about film, you know, like so long as you know, like um, like digital media keeps working, whatever you film on a given day, if that makes it into the final cut. That's there forever. Yeah. Like you've literally just con- you've literally just contributed to a small part. Unless of Unless you're in the background,
1: like you to... shouldn't have
0: been, and then we'll cut you out. We'll have to crop the video. Also true. But even if you're in the background, you're not supposed to be. You're now accidentally <laughs> yes. in the
1: background. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like I don't. Know. That's funny. I think I might have said that because subconsciously, I was thinking about The Mandalorian. Did you see that?
0: I was literally just about to say someone saw the screen grab of that the crew member yes. in the corner. <laughs> That is just like that, 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 un- that unintentional, uh, that unintentional, you know, camera spike by that crew member. He is now a part of Star Wars history. He right? is,
1: which is incredible. I wonder, I wonder if he feels
0: unless they, unless they like, unless they like retcon every episode of <laughs> Mandalorian, he's gonna be, he's, he's gonna be, they're just like, forever.
1: it's no, it's not canon, it's not canon, <laughs> it's
0: not good. We had one, <laughs> Pull the plug off,
1: but, um, of uh, getting back to what we were talking. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, no, it's it's as as you and I both know, we get off on. Yeah, TV why not? <laughs>
1: that I mean, like I told you before we started, like this podcast is very relaxed, and we can say whatever we want. You ask, you ask me anything, I'll ask you anything. But um, yeah. I wanted. Oh, I, w- I was going to ask you. So, at the New York Film Academy, what what because you said there's different angles you can apply for and train in. What which one are you going for right now?
0: So, um. Prior to getting on the uh, Twelve Mighty Orphans film set, and this is not to like dictate that, like that my path has changed. I'm just kind of giving like a a chronology. No, yeah. Um, Prior to the the job in Texas with you guys, I was doing kind of a mix of directing and acting, so it was kind of a fusion of those two, and um, still kind of pursuing those. But in terms of actual like you know courses that I've been in. Uh, I just recently did like a screenwriting course and I've, I've studied screenwriting for a while, but I've never like officially put myself in a program Uh and, you know, like like, no matter what level of, you know, experience you are on. And obviously I'm talking from a place of not a ton of experience, but once again, just my own kind of personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And this kind of relates to the Mm -hmm. film Academy as a whole. um, It's so nice to act to like, legitimately put yourself in a class for something even if you're super experienced in it because what the film academy did for me with every class i took is more so than the subject matter you're learning and this ties back to what we were just talking about the network of people it puts you in contact with is staggering the variety of people the countries they come from the disciplines that they already know how to do and maybe are still learning it's just crazy because the film academy prides itself on having like every nationality you could dream of coming through wow. their doors and coming through their their programs and so like literally like i met a guy like from south america in this in this recent screenwriting class and he and i talked very consistently. And if all of a sudden, like, there's a project someday soon that has something to do with that part Uh of the world or maybe needs somebody local that has advice on great locations or great stories or great kind of cultural aspects, you start building up this, like, agenda of people totally organically. Like, you're not even trying to do it. It just kind of happens. And that was one of the best parts about the – obviously, everything they teach you there is amazing – because their whole thing is just to prepare you to be a professional in the industry, no matter what aspect that mm. is. And they're perfectly understanding that for some people, they may only need a week. For some people, they might need two weeks. For some people, they might need four years. They're like there to service any level of where you're at in your career. And I'm not trying to sound like an advertiser. like It was a very important uh, step for your, before, before kind of launching into the feature. Yeah, does your
1: dean right now have like a gun to your head <laughs> just like keep it up <laughs> Noah. we'll give you another <laughs> semester's free uh free tuition i asked i asked
0: i asked him to at least not point it at me for the direction oh
1: okay <laughs> so it's it's so it's kind of just in no. the holster but they keep like flashing with the jacket he, he,
0: he he's standing in front of me he just keeps kind of tapping yeah. <laughs> but, we'll, we'll okay. see what happens so um, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it just kind of comes down to that where the most recent one I took was like a screenwriting course. And then in just relation to that and the other courses, that was the most um, important part of my time there is it teaches you how to make fast and strong connections with people. And that's how a film set works is you are put in a sandbox with a bunch of strangers and you're asked to make a work of art mm-hmm. from scratch and you got to you got to figure out your relationships with those people really quick, because if you don't, it's going to be a long. Yeah, you
1: can't be you can't be trying to be, you know, dramatic. You you just got to get along and you just got
0: to do it. Uh, yeah, you, you you just you show up and it doesn't mean you like force a friendship. It just means a place like that is like a training ground to teach you how to just work with every type of person you could possibly hope to work with
1: because no because that's just like on a film set i mean every single day you're meeting somebody and maybe they were there the every day before day. or maybe they're brand new you know and you kind of have to as an actor um i i've read this great book by michael caine and it's um i believe it's just called michael caine on michael Kane on film acting and one of the things he says out the gate is you have to be nice to everyone because if you if you're not then no one will want to work with you, <laughs> and, and, totally. and drown and, in this
0: industry. It's just, and and not sorry no, to interrupt you, not to interrupt you, um, because you just reminded me of something. Because I I talk about that a lot when I talk with people about the film industry, and a lot of people are very quick to take that to the polarity of, oh, so you basically just have to be like really fake and just like Whoa, be nice yeah. to everybody. And it's like, and it's not that at all. It's like some people are like that. Some people are just very intentionally acting nice and you can tell they really don't want Mm. to be (laughs) and um luckily i I, and i promise i have not encountered that many of those types of people because the majority of people you do interact with it's being nice to everyone in a way of where you're just ready to collaborate on whatever level in whatever common ground you can find for the dude
1: absolutely amen to that you it's not being fake like you said it's not you know rolling your eyes whenever they walk past you it's you are in yeah. so you are so in love with this craft that you are ready to not only serve the script but serve anyone else ready to do the same thing you know you guys are going in battle together you have to have, to have each other's backs and you have to have you know I mean because as an actor my day is gonna go a whole lot better if me and my scene partner are warm together and treat each other nice if you know vice versa or whether it be the sound guy or you know or the um
0: uh uh, first ad it's better and most and most of the time i mean everyone on that set is coming from a different background of like mental specialties like you have some of the most technically gifted people I've ever met in my life on a film set. And some of the most, you know, more abstract creative art form gifted people. And obviously, I mean the technical arts are as well, but it's just like, it's just those different types of just those different types of people. I mean, everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses and every day you're going to interact with people. And in a lot of cases are kind of coming from a totally different way of, how their mind works than you because it's a bunch of different disparate industries like you said connected on one project
1: I absolutely agree with you man i'm so i don't think i've ever like actually have have had a conversation like this with someone else where it we're just on the same we're thinking the same
0: thing words man like this yeah. is awesome um so it, it's it's an honor it's an honor on my part to to have this conversation as well it's nice to have somebody to to respond in this yeah way too. no i
1: no trust me deep down and my heart of hearts i hate you <laughs> uh but uh it's okay i
0: totally
1: <laughs> understand no no <laughs> um uh, i was gonna ask you so how how did yes. you end up uh, landing the job for 12 mighty orphans and uh, yeah.
0: yeah um Kind of like a, along the same lines, just like domino effect after domino effect. Um, you know, you just you kind of like catch like a bit of a tailwind and a bit of a momentum, and you just trust yourself to kind of keep pushing forward, even if it feels really kind of scary and doesn't make much mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> yeah. And um, and that's kind of what happened. I, w- I was working on some. I was I was doing school and working on some sets in New York, and um, I funny enough, like I, of all the. And this is—it's kind of like poetic, like it's very poetic how it happened in a way. Because <laughs> um, you know, I was doing all this stuff in New York, kind of like really just kind of seeking where my next kind of, you know, like step was going to be, in my next kind of goal, my next kind of just uh, level that I was going to kind of find in New York. And I kind of like really had my eyes peeled for it, and I just wasn't really feeling kind of like, like I wasn't really like vibing with anything in particular. I was, I was having a lot of fun and getting on some great projects and meeting really cool people but I wasn't feeling that kind of like next step coming on Mm in that sense. And so I was just kind of like, I was just kind of like there in New York kind of doing my thing. And then my dad's birthday was on the horizon. And um, I went back to South Carolina for that, which is where I live now. My family moved from um, Knoxville to South Carolina. So I came down to South Carolina to see everybody for my dad's birthday. And, um, you know i didn't like i i never kind of stopped looking for opportunities but i definitely wasn't really expecting anything to happen in south carolina while i'm at my dad's yeah. birthday party <laughs> and um just really randomly this old like old friend of my dad's who literally he has not really been connected with in probably 30 years like i probably knew this guy when i was like wow. 3 um he just randomly we he he randomly happened to be there, and not randomly. Sorry, he according yeah. from my dad's perspective, he was randomly there. But we had kind of secretly tried to organize a kind of surprise. Okay. He wasn't cracking. He's like, hey. <laughs> he wasn't just like following us yeah. or anything. But um, he 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 was kind of like an old co- co-worker of my dad's. But they they really had not talked in like years, and um, so he and I were talking, and he lived. He, li- he still lives in Texas and I was just kind of asking him like you know what is he doing now like what is what is kind of what's his whole deal kind of out in Texas is he enjoying living out there and he just kind of brought up th- this mutual connection of his happened to be sort of on the fringes of the film industry and had some kind of kind of kind of connections with a couple of people who were working on some cool stuff and he was kind of a sports fan and he heard that there was kind of a cool sports movie going on and he had a mutual connection <laughs> on that set. And so they kind of started talking, my dad's friend and this guy that he knew in Texas. And um, I kind of explained to him what I was doing in New York and he said, hey man, I don't really know much about the film industry, but I'm thinking of kind of, at least kind of seeing what this project is about and maybe kind of seeing if I can help out in some way Um, Do you want me to just like connect you with one of the guys that's closer to the project than I am? Like just so you can just like talk to them about the film industry. Like I literally set this thing up as if I was literally just going to talk to them about the film industry just to hear what feature length film production is like, if you know what I mean. And so my dad's friend connected me with his friend in (sighs) Texas. Um, I started talking to this guy and then this guy eventually kind of, put me on an email thread with the producer of 12 Muddy Orphans, Houston Hill. (laughs) And um, I literally, once again, this whole time I'm fully going in here expecting and intending for me to just have a really valuable conversation with a professional in the industry. And um, so I started emailing Houston and I was just kind of talking to him about, you know, film production and how things are going on the, this is still pre-production for 12 Muddy Orphans, but they are about probably half a month away from the first day of principal Uh photography. This was like late in the process. And, um, I was just kind of like talking to Houston and we were just like discussing things and we like just really got along over email. Just like had some like really cool kind of exchanges. And, um, I just asked if like, you know, we could have a phone call and just discuss, just once again, just discuss the film industry. And, um, So eventually he and I finally kind of, I was back in New York at this time. This was like a, like a month after my dad's birthday. And I I get on the phone with Houston and we just kind of start talking and we just like had this really cool conversation. And I just kind of told him that, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of different roles on a lot of different kind of small film sets. I just love kind of helping out how I can, you know, I'm sure that their whole thing, is very booked right now in terms of what their crew looks like. But I literally just kind of said, dude, I'm really looking for kind of like a new opportunity. I will, I like, if I could just come and just watch you all in production, I don't even have to be a hired. I just want to come and see you all do your thing. Like I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay my own way. I'll make it work. I just want to come watch how this wow. happens because I've never been on like a legitimate kind of full scale feature uh-huh. film. You know what I mean? I'd only kind of been on like, you know, like, cool independent film festival film sets you know like just like much more kind of uh free-flowing stuff like that not like a properly produced you know like professional feature-length film and um so i just i just kind of threw it out there and i was just like i i'll kind of i, I promise i'll kind of like blend in I'll, I'll i'll fit in i'll find a space that works i you don't you don't have to worry about me you don't have to babysit <laughs> me but I, i'd love to just watch you guys in action And now, I mean, now I know Houston very well and he's such just like a amazing, very, he, 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 and Houston is the producer of 12 Muddy Orphans, the film that Uh you and I worked on. And he has one of the most incredible balances of professionalism, but also genuine, like friendliness. No, absolutely. He he can maintain immense professional conduct, but be very genuine in how he talks with people. And so he was literally just like, man, I mean, we could we could always use an extra set of hands. So if you're really up for it, uh, come on down. And I was like, OK. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, um, that, and that's honestly kind of how it happened. Like it was really just like a kind of domino effect. Right time, right place. Definitely a stroke of luck. No, just man. The right. I, I, I guess just like I know right you probably see it
1: and I know you're too humble to probably agree with me but i know i know it you know it kind of seems like a stroke of luck but dude you were just so hungry to learn that i mean it just drove you right into you know twelve of my orphans arms and, and so dude what i mean what you did you just
0: that uh, it's a, it's a, it, I mean it's nothing short and it's the definition of a blessing
1: yes absolutely yes. Um, you know he, not only is Houston like that but also his wife Anne. Who is,
0: yes, Anne, she, Anne is amazing. I, I, I brought up Houston first because he was the first person yeah. I talked to. But Anne was, Anne was one of the first people I met when I got to Texas. And like you said, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's like being so kind. So um, I mean, a
1: quick story about both Anne and Houston. So, um,
0: yeah, please. I Because I don't know anything about your experience getting – into familiarity with them oh the really okay i, I guess
1: not yeah that. well let me tell you i'll try to be fast uh, so yeah let me
0: take, take your so talent, last take year on. um uh
1: 2019 it's uh february i'm working yeah. at publix um at this point in time i've done you know i've done Really, just mainly short films and uh student films. So, um, I taped for 12 Mighty Orphans and then I just kind of forget about it. Honestly, it's one of those auditions I got where it was due so fast, I just had to do it. I didn't really have
0: you, you I just you had to, had to do
1: it. it. I didn't, you know, I just kind of read it as myself. And I actually, the first role yeah. I auditioned for was Fairbanks, so I forget about it. And okay. then over time, uh, I, I uh, booked a couple, I booked a TV show and then I booked two feature films. So I added those to my resume. And, and you know, my resume at this point, is, it's not looking bad for someone from Huntsville, Alabama.
0: No, it's not at all. I'm, I'm very impressed. Oh, Thank
1: you. It. And I'm so happy that I got to uh, work on those sets because I, I, I did this movie called The Friend with Casey Affleck and Jason Siegel and Dakota Johnson. I was a day player on that. And that was really cool because I got to work with big stars for the first time. And it kind of made me comfortable doing that. And, oh, they're just normal people like me. And then I do another movie, same thing, except in Mississippi for two days. So one more day, than the feature before. And then, dude, um, I, I really love the people at Publix. It's a grocery store.
0: Oh, I, okay really i was i was i was
1: um a cashier and then i also did customer service at the desk but dude i am one of those people where if i work too long at a job like that i it just it really yeah. weighs down on my my soul my imagination and it really starts Absolutely. to make me and i was depressed for a short while there honestly and yeah. I get a call for, I literally check out, uh, or not check out, but clock out from Publix. I'm driving in my car. And dude, I, I, it's just one of those things where I was just like, so just like, so fed up. But at the same time, yeah. I have a job. What are you complaining about? I get a call from my agent and I'm like, my agent rarely calls me. So I pick it up and she's like, Hey, do you remember that film uh, you auditioned for? The football one. And I was like, uh, no. Honestly, I was like, I don't. And she was like, 12 Mighty Orphans, I was like, doesn't ring a bell. She was like, okay, well, you have a callback for it, and it's in two days in Texas, and you have to be there. They want to see if you can throw the football and catch it and, you know, run. And so I was oh like, God. okay, whatever. And I was like, it was probably just some yeah. short film, you know, I auditioned for. I go yeah. back home, check my actor's access, and I find it. I'm like, oh, shoot, a SAG film? I can't believe I forgot. that. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I remember running in my parents' room and be like, uh, I was like, can one of you go to Texas with me? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a 12 hour drive, things. and I can't, I know I can't do that by yeah. myself. So, you know, I, I you know, I hear a lot of stories. God, I hear a lot of amazing. stories where, from actors, where they say, My parents never supported me. Well, blah, 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 and I feel so bad for them. I somehow got like, I won the lottery because my parents since day one have always supported me. My dad was like, Let's go. So I called I, I call my manager. I,
0: yeah, I, I do have to say uh, one thing real quick just so I can have it have it down on recording uh-huh. and not to interrupt you. Same thing, same thing in my case with uh, my parents. It has just been a absolute i mean it's been beyond the death it's, been it's been beyond yes. a blessing i mean they are they are always just kind of ready to even if they can't even if they might not know how to actively help mm-hmm. me they're always there to just field support wherever it's needed and it is it is the driving factor in this whole we'll, journey
1: and we'll First never point. appreciate them enough but that's just how children are supposed to be
0: <laughs> i, I, guess, but, uh, so. I dude, guess so but i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad, I'm
1: glad to hear that. you say that but so my dad's ready i call my manager and also blessed that he's like i understand we'll try to find someone to cover for you because he, he i had a great manager at Publix because he was rooting for me he would always ask me what i was doing so i drive down there I do the football with coach TJ, who was incredible. That was so much fun. <laughs> Got to meet some of the guys. Uh, there's about maybe yeah. 20, 25 of us there. So it was kind of like, okay. So I have a pretty good chance that maybe, yeah, you know, about 50% chance at you know, nabbing one of these roles. I meet Ty, I meet Lane. And then I uh, cut myself on my leg. I'm doing what? a, I dove for the football to make a catch. Dude, I'm, I, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm very competitive <laughs> when it comes to sports. So I showed up and I was like, I'm, I'm going to smoke all these guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so I dove for amazing. this ball for sure. and I, I scratched up my, uh, my shin and it was bleeding. And
0: uh, dude, that probably sealed the deal. I was deal like, right <laughs> uh,
1: cause he, he was like, Hey, Sampley, I actually want to have you read for another role. Why don't you go to the, um, the um, shoot um not the studio but where they're having all their production stuff what word am i looking for
0: <laughs> the production office, thank
1: you um so he's like go there get it wrapped up and then i'll meet you there so i go there i wrap it up i i that there were sandwiches in the break room so i like ate two sandwiches as fast as i could <laughs> until someone didn't see me and then i go out and I was like, yeah. okay, when is this going to happen? I don't know what role I'm doing. i like, I'm totally unprepared. I don't know what's going on. And then Houston's like, oh, hey. He sits me down. He's like, dude, sorry. Ty's like, he's meeting with this like huge actor right now who ended up being Martin Sheen. And, uh, he, and Houston was telling me all this stuff. And I was like, man, this guy's like really nice. And he was like, oh, here's Ty's number. Shoot him a yeah. text and then, you know, you can meet him at the place he's staying so I was like, man, that guy was like really nice. And I didn't know he was like one of the producers. I thought maybe he was like, you know, a PA or an assistant. He just he was like, Hi, Houston, just because he's so nice. <laughs> and then I go back. No, I drive to uh, where Ty is staying. And um, believe it or not, I read for, I saw so I read for Chicken. I read for Weedy. And then I read for, oh, what was the other role I read for? I read for Three while I was there. I can't remember the other one. Oh, it might have been Miller or Leon. Mm. It might have been Leon. I think. Uh, Yeah. And for and for the viewers, these are all names (laughs) of the football
0: (laughs) Football players in the film. So I read for
1: three of these roles. And believe it or not, so we're sitting. Ty sitting on the couch reading, and then Anne had her iPhone like standing like right next to me, and. Dude, both Ty and Ann were just so, like, so chill and so relaxed. There was no pressure on me to, like, perform well. And, like, they just, like, they do, you know, obviously something clicked with chicken. And then flash forward, a week later, I get another callback for the chemistry callback. Ann and Houston and then Ty and then Sarah Dowling were in the room, I believe, for that. And then the, and then the rest is history.
0: Um. Dude, that's amazing. So, I do have to ask you, yeah. I will ask you a quick question because I can ima- I can imagine being a listener to this. This is something that I would probably mm-hmm. ask you. How do you, how did you, and how do you maintain your kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know if serenity is the right word, but like, just like, <laughs> how do you maintain a calm and focused demeanor when you're getting to progressively closer stages of getting the right um, did that... Because I feel like as you get closer and closer, I can imagine that being like, very like, oh, my God. And like, I I can imagine somebody maybe psyching themselves. It's it's exciting.
1: But also, it's it's kind of like, well, hold on there because you don't have it yet. Because at the chemistry callback, it was kind of like, I think I have a really good shot at booking a role. But at the same time, there's there's going to be 50 young men walking in and out of that audition room because it was, you know, so what are your chances? I'm a man of faith. I'm a believer. And so I just, I just say, God, whatever your will is, it will be done. If I'm, if I don't book it, then that's okay. You have a greater one for me in the future. Excuse me. If I do do book it, then that's incredible. Thank you, God. So Sorry, I was. I'm drinking tea. It that's okay. You're,
0: you're talking with so much excitement, <clears throat> you can't breathe.
1: It went down the wrong hole. <laughs> As I'm talking about this really important thing, but um, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm good now. Um, okay. yeah. So that's how I kind of do that. Now, there have been times where I've gotten a callback for something, and then I don't get it, and I, I and I'm kind of bummed. But at the same time, I'm just like. Another actor got got that. I'm so happy for him. Like, I think that's I awesome. think if you don't have a mindset like this, the industry can can weed you out pretty fast. Jealousy is Absolutely. not something that you should be proud of. Um, if, you're, if you're mad oh, yes. that someone took your role, it's like, dude, they didn't take your role. That was their role to begin
0: with. That's just how it works. And that's the key because when you kind of are able to peek behind the curtain a little bit and be mm-hmm. on film sets and see the casting mm-hmm. process literally there is not a number in existence that can quantify how many factors go in to the casting of one I person. absolutely agree with that I mean it is it can literally be everything from age to you know just the kind of vibe mm-hmm. that you have to the to the way you interact with another actor who they might have already chosen. I mean, and it has nothing to do with you as a person. It all has to do with what they have in their mind. Yes. Because you don't know their
1: vision. You know, you, you, you kind of just hope that you'll match
0: up. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes you could come in and completely have them get a revelation about their vision. And they're like, that wasn't the vision. This is the vision. And it's like, there are so many factors, and so wh- I always come back to when someone gets cast. It literally, it it's honestly, it's not coincidence. It's almost like it's meant to be when somebody gets cast in a certain role. Yeah, I think, I think it's very, and i and I and I don't say that to be like you know, like wishy washy yeah. and and everything. It's just like from my personal experience watching how much consideration goes into the casting of even one person. That person that eventually gets it, they like literally every experience in their life has in some way shaped them to be just right for yes, that moment.
1: I absolutely agree with you. I think it's very rare when someone is miscast in a role. I and
0: I, I am for um casting directors, and, and, even, and even when people do get miscast. There is a reason, even if we don't know it, why that person got put in that. Yes. Yeah,
1: I I agree. And I think that I'm on board with casting directors being nominated by the Academy. I think it's kind of outrageous that there's not an award for that already because that is an extremely hard job.
0: Oh my God. I mean, I just, I can't, I can't fathom it having to decide what individual out of all the incredibly amazing variety of individuals that can walk through the door on any project how to decide which individual will best convey yes to give the
1: listeners an idea of what that's like okay let's say let's say an audition a breakdown is what you would call it on actors access comes out for a role that has just one line just one line you're not a main character you're not supporting you have one line and maybe to where you're off you, you you they may even shoot you off camera because they figure it out that day but 5,000 actors will submit for that role. A thousand actors will get to audition for that role. And then maybe 50 get callbacks. And then if they do another round of callbacks, you know, five, 10. And then sometimes if you're booking straight off tape, you just you, you have to weed through those thousands of submissions that you get. And just, and I yeah. I've I've been to a casting director's uh, this one workshop where she said sometimes I don't even watch the videos I just go off the thumbnail because there are so many entries they just have to go they
0: just have to delete 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 keep delete delete delete, delete keep and it is it is like someone who appreciates any type of art you either it's either it 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 either sparks or it doesn't it's either there or it's not and. That's just, and that's why a lot of casting directors use that method because they there is not enough time in the universe to go through that many. No, sometimes there's not. And honestly, and 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 for moviegoers, they're not thinking about all those factors. For a moviegoer, when that person's face shows up on screen, it's either going to click or Mm -hmm. it's not going to click. And that the casting director's job is to choose the person who is going to click with the audience. The the with the least amount of mm-hmm. difficulty and in that, and you see like, even with, even with villains in films, if the villain is cast, well, even if they're a not good character, you will click with oh, the yeah. actor and it will just, it will, it will, it will snap into place. I
1: absolutely agree with you. And I think, I don't know if you know this or not. This was a, a fun uh, fact that I learned this past week. Uh, you've seen back to the future, right? Okay, good. Absolutely, I figured. Yeah. So Michael J. Fox, right? Marty. Did yeah. you know that uh, originally a, an actor named Eric Stoltz played Marty McFly and they shot 80 to like 90% of the film? And then Steven what? Spielberg, who was the executive producer, was like, he's just not Marty. And so they ended up casting Michael J. Fox. And they reshot everything practically. Oh, my Lord. Now, that's an expensive... Miscast, but the only reason they cast him is because they originally tried to get Michael J. Fox, but they couldn't because of his work on family ties. And Uh, um, Eric Stoltz was kind of this up and coming like method actor, like very James Dean esque, very serious. And he just wasn't like the fit for Marty McFly. Yeah. Um, Speaking of sci fi movies, great segue. Want to talk some Blade Runner? I,
0: absolutely. I'll say one thing to tie yeah. Up please do, please do. And Then I absolutely want to talk about Blade Runner. And I'll, honestly, this little last point can kind of conceptually tie into Blade Runner too. I feel like a lot of people can hear a conversation like that, the kind of la- that uh-huh. section we just had there, and be kind of discouraged by the odds. But truly and honestly it is when we talk about stuff like that it has nothing to do with trying to scare people with the odds of getting cast or getting into a position like that because that it's not about discouraging it's about the it's about reminding yourself not that there's all these odds against you but that if you are just following the momentum the, if you kind of follow that kind of guidance and you follow a sort of tailwind in that momentum and you are just you you do what you need to be to kind of be Mm -hmm. where you need to be in the given moment, you'll be where you need to be down the road. And often if you are really meant to fall in love and have this industry as a major part of your life, those opportunities will reveal themselves to you. And it is just your job to get out of your own way because that is what stops the most people is they get right on the edges or they get into it and they kind of, will be the yes. worst enemy dude nicely yeah. said oh my gosh dude you should hope okay. no, I, no, I, I say it from ex- i say it from experience because you know, i mean like at any level of the industry you're at it happens to everyone at every level and it's the nature of a creative industry self-doubt and creativity go very absolutely. close
1: absolutely absolutely
0: and uh, and i i don't know i mean it's i'm not trying to be, like preach or anything but it's true it's just like I never in a billion years could have planned being on that film set with you and everybody else. And the only thing that I could control and the only thing I could plan on is in any given moment in the time that led up to me getting that opportunity, I just had to make sure I was squared away to the best of my ability in the best sort of self-perception I could be in any given moment. Yeah, that that makes
1: perfect sense, man.
0: And there's like this, there's this quote I always go back to, and it's about like be where you need to be now, and you'll be where you need oh, to be. Oh, that's later. awesome. I like that. And I, I I follow that I follow that quote all the time. And it sounds kind of hokey um, when you say it, but it's really, really effective if you follow it and you just really you you just moderate yourself and you have practiced self-awareness of that kind of voice inside you that might try and throw you in a completely opposite direction. Yeah,
1: Another one I like that maybe sound kind of hokey, but it's true is uh, the secret to success is showing up. You just got to show Absolutely. up and, and kind of like what you said, you can't plan for that stuff now. Cause you, you said, you know, I can't plan. I, I could have never planned to be on that film set. Now we planned for you not to be because um, Houston actually showed us a list of, a list of PAs. Uh, that would be accepted. And I saw your face and I said, no, I said, absolutely, please. No, <laughs> but Hey, like you said, you know, you can't plan for things Luckily, like that.
0: My pic- Luckily my picture was never given to the, <laughs> the employment. In-
1: yeah. Blew away in-
0: so you, you could, you couldn't doubt me, before I, I
1: tried my work. hardest. No, I really did
0: You tried to envision me coming on set. <laughs> <laughs> um- and just, just preempting your doubt. So, uh,
1: speaking of being on set, right. while we were on set, we figured yeah. out we had a love for Blade Runner. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. yeah. Let's definitely – No, no, no. Yeah. Let, let's let's no, no, no. I'm now. famous
1: for my segues. <laughs> they call me Segway Sampling.
0: <laughs> that should be your new – that should be your new handle for the, the – whoever is like the – if you can, like, type in the handle for who runs this podcast, you should... Call it's just me. Listen. This is a one-man
1: show, man. <laughs> it's just me. Um, so, amazing. Blade Runner. I don't think I've met anyone else that has such a love for not only the Blade Runner 2049, but also the original.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, dude, I mean, golly. Oh,
1: yeah. I can't highly recommend, like... they're so great in so many different ways but they're still on that same level if that makes sense
0: and even if you know whoever's listening to this even if it might not be your cup of tea or even if you don't know anything about it i have encountered at least in my life that even people who might not be on the level that you and i are of our love for it they appreciate the message it tries to get across i i and funny enough, the message kind of comes back to this whole conversation, which is that quote in the first film at the end when I forget, uh, I forget the actor's name. But oh, Harrison. Like, and, and no, it, well, that was definitely a big scene. But my favorite scene actually comes after that when he's like, um, "It's too bad she won't live, but then again, who?" Oh,
1: does? oh. Um, let me. I know who you're talking about. What, uh, is it? Edward James Olmos.
0: It might, yes i think it is i think it is i yeah. get
1: imdb up i always get imdb up uh, um dude oh yeah, okay.
0: go for Don't it me. but i i just i bring that up because like honestly the blade runner conversation inevitably segues back to what we've been talking about because it deals with how do you define someone yeah. being alive like how do you define someone as a living person and that whole quote kind of gives credence to that idea that a lot of people will allow external and internal factors to stop them from living a life that they truly want to yes
1: live. i feel like the first one um like like i mean everything you just said it, it echoes that sentiment and then also the the second one also adds on to it in in a Absolutely. mind-bending way yes. where um it's almost like, and spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it yet. I, I'm not going to say
0: <laughs> it's been out for like. Three, I'm not going to
1: say what is like uh, what directly happens at the ending, but kind of what the themes are to me, anyways. Because so it's kind of like Denis Villeneuve is like sh- you know shoving the, these answers in your face. Because it presents a question about Ryan Gosling's character. Is he, is he human or is he a replicant? And Denis yeah. Villeneuve constantly, like on a second rewatch or another rewatch, you, you see the brilliance that he does is that he pushes the, the answers in your face. But you so want Ryan Gosling's character to be a human and to be a hero that you ignore yes. those yeah. without realizing it. Because you want him to be a hero you yeah. see yourself as a hero, not just some f- in a machine like he ends up being.
0: Yes, absolutely. And can we can we yes. do a spoiler including uh-huh. the conversation? Okay, sorry <laughs> for all those out there. You you really owe it to yourself. It's just yeah. it's a beautiful film. Um, I it's one of the first films I can ever remember seeing where I actively noticed. Plot device being used where the main character realizes that the story yes. isn't about them. And when I had that, when I had that moment in the movie theater, and I I saw this movie when I was in the middle of uh-huh. my time in Nashville and just like trying to wrap my mind around what the mm-hmm. hell I was doing, <laughs> and that um, was just like a very confused point in my life and very you know just crazy time in my life, and that's when I saw this film. And it blew my mind because it was so beautiful how the story guides him in understanding that he's actually not the chosen one. He's not the one that he Um, thought he was going to be. He's not, you know, this end all, this be all end all to the story. But what's so cool about that is through that realization, he also realizes that this whole incredible life-changing and potentially world-changing journey he's been on he basically created yes, it for himself yes.
1: because he he has that
0: you know man. like he he was totally like before he was trapped in kind of the cyclical mundane job everyday life and just kind of going by the ropes and and it, it's this kind of situation where he thought he might actually be different Even though an external thing prompted him to start the journey, he gave himself that kind of inner dialogue that kept pushing him forward. What
1: is that quote by um, uh, Dave Bautista in the film where – do you remember where he's – he is uh, looking at the billboard. I'm not going to say of what character because I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's right after he's been told, listen, you're not the chosen one. What are you talking about, you know? And he has this point where he can either either go save Deckard, or he could just leave and you know die sometime later. And what is that quote? I got to look it up. It's um, I got to look it up because Uh, it
0: it's not Dave. Oh wait, it's the actor Dave. uh,
1: I can't remember that character's name.
0: Is it like? Is it like a flashback scene where Dave Pataista says? Yes, it is. What is that quote? I know that he says like. um you're so you're so happy it, it's like something along the lines of you're so happy living this mundane sort of ridiculous lifestyle because you've never yes seen a yes you've never seen a like miracle
1: because you've never seen a miracle i love that like that just plays over that and he then is just like you know what even though i'm not the chosen one i'm still gonna at least be a hero in this very very small moment that no one will ever talk about or no one will ever remember
0: and that's, but see, in the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you go, you go, you, you speak. This is your podcast. You go. Go for it. Can you hear me? I can't hear you for some reason. Our Noah, can you hear out. me now? Okay, that now was weird.
1: Um, <laughs> I said, it's
0: okay. I you, said, um,
1: I was giving you a shun of silence, actually. Nothing happened over there. No, um, <laughs> um, I was saying, is his decision to say, you know what, I don't need to be a hero. And he goes and does this act that no one will ever remember is why it
0: makes him a hero in my book at the end of the day. But what, what were you going to say? It was honestly along the same lines where even though he's realized that his sort of fantasy that took him on this journey Mm -hmm. was false. I think there's a part of him that realizes, okay, the fantasy was false, but I took myself on that journey. I made the choice to follow this path. So in a way, even though I'm not the chosen one, I have even though he's not the chosen one this fantasy took him on a journey that in that did change a lot of people's lives. Yes. And so even though he's not the chosen one, his fantasy of being the chosen one actually in a way kind of made him the only person who could actively change the outcome of yes. that story. And, um, and I feel,
1: like- I was just going to so- say one of my favorite aspects of that movie is that, um, so I had someone tell me that they liked the movie but they didn't they thought it should have ended with something happening with you know the army of replicants forming up against Wallace. But personally for me I'm just like well we can kind of assume what happens after but after that but the real story was about Deckard and his daughter and what life really is and what it really means. It wasn't ever about setting up a sequel for a war it's Blade or... Runner is not an action film. It has some action in it, but it is not an action
0: film. It is very philosophical. exactly, yeah,
1: especially.
0: But in but in a in a very well done way, not in a way that like you're gonna yes. get exhausted by the ideas or you're gonna get, it, it is very
1: watchable oh, extremely entertaining. Life. One of my favorite moments in an action film ever, or just a moment of action, is when he he arrives. On um, kind of like that dump. I can't remember what part of the city he's in, but it's like that. It's like completely wiped out. All
0: those- it's like, like the, you know, the It's are scapula- these
1: scavengers come out and dude, he just takes them all out within like a second.
0: Oh my gosh. No, I mean, he literally does not. He, he's a, you know, at the end of the day, he is a machine. And you know, what's great
1: about things. that scene is, you know, earlier he tells, um, what's that actress's name? Oh, um, I always forget the, her, his boss essentially. Um,
0: Oh, yeah, Robin White. Robin uh,
1: he essentially tells her, you know, I've never killed a living being before. And then cut to that. Did you notice that when he shoots all of them, he shoots them all in like the thigh or like the side so they don't die?
0: That's right. Oh,
1: my yeah. gosh. That's right. I just thought that was like a brilliant like little detail they put in just to be consistent. But. Oh, dude, yeah, I know. It's such right. a great yeah. film. It's like I wish it's kind of a bummer. didn't. Like, it did okay at the box office, but it didn't blow up by any – like, it didn't have Marvel numbers.
0: Well, to be fair, the way that they advertised it, they almost advertised it like it was going to be, like a sci-fi movie. Yeah, that's true. But anybody that's kind of – has a little love for the film industry knows that the director, Mm. Denis Villeneuve, does not he does he not. is do so good. Like
1: uh, I mean, Prisoners, Enemy, Arrival, and then Dune's coming out next year. I can't wait for that.
0: If anybody out there maybe isn't super into film but wants a kind of tool bag of things to talk about with anybody to really impress them or get a conversation going, watch any of Denis news Yes, threads. I think because um, he didn't really blow up until they will, they will, they will, they will. They will they ignite the inner film aficionado. Yes. Anyway. Oh, I absolutely
1: <laughs> agree. And his casting is on point. Him and Jake Gyllenhaal, if they work together yeah. for the rest of their lives, I would love that. Um, and then uh, <laughs> he also got an amazing performance out of Hugh Jackman in Prisoners. And then Amy Adams in Arrival is great.
0: Oh, yeah. oh Arrival is still one. Oh,
1: of it's that. so I good. But uh, And Blade Runner, Harrison Ford crushes it. And then um the the main bad guy, i wanted to mention her because dude i seriously thought
0: she might have been nominated um what oh she was terrifying um and and it's fascinating because once again on like the philosophical stuff what's so cool about the movie is nothing is ever just good or bad nothing's it's not black and white you know like this this woman that plays the kind of main antagonist to ryan Mm -hmm. gosling's character she is definitely not a very nice person by any means she's quite a quite a demented Mm -hmm. individual but in the same way that ryan gosling's character is kind of following this inner kind of way that he sees himself and how he wants his life to be she's the exact same way she's just following her own hoax for how she wants and her sylvia
1: life to be. hoax is her name i hope i'm pronouncing yeah. that
0: right but yeah, she yeah, crushed yeah, yeah. It, and 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 unfortunately you know and she played it so brilliantly it leads her down a very mm-hmm. dark path of this idea that she wants to be the one that is seen as more than just a replicant robot because she's also you know a robot she's also yes. a replicant and just like ryan gosling she her she her wish in life is to be seen as more than just. Yes, you know, she's the.
1: Well, you know, as they say, that you should make the villain almost, ex, almost like the same as your protagonist, except they just have different objectives. Or I'm sorry, not a different objectives; they have yeah. the
0: same objective. Objective. They have different yeah. ways <laughs> of
1: accomplishing it. That's what I meant. Um,
0: yes. Totally. And that's definitely what you see with her character, and it just it speaks so much to just. Mm-hmm. Real life, you know, I mean, it's just its amazing because it, it just it just shows that like, you can be and I feel like you and I can both relate to this on a level of one of the biggest driving factors I feel like for both of us in just this kind of domino effect journey of momentum and just having new experiences, new opportunities is the through line with it all is that you have this kind of overarching sense of just yourself and how you fit into the world and your life's journey and just you just have this kind of value of yourself in mm-hmm. your journey and you just trust you trust the value of the gifts and the skill set in the circumstances you've been placed in yes
1: yeah dude man you're a... and I,
0: mean,
1: I was going to and- say you're just and- such a well-spoken individual <laughs>
0: I mean, dude, you you elicited you you have a you you run the thing perfectly. Um, but you know it's the same thing. Like Ryan Gosling's character would have not had any of those life changing, and you know potentially in the future of that movie mm-hmm. world changing impacts had he not followed that kind of inner, larger sense of himself. Yes. you know what I mean. No, I absolutely like, like you. You can't, you can't go on this amazing journey if you don't have a vision of how you see mm-hmm. yourself that's on that level it's like you have to already see yourself at that level before you even start the journey
1: absolutely agree with you man and it's making me want to watch the movie right now because
0: my fiance aaron
1: <laughs> she has not seen either of them so we will be her and i will be watching them asap definitely before the year's over
0: uh, just because she needs yeah. to see her. yeah see that's you have got to. Tell I
1: will. I will. And she's. Um. She has one of the reasons. Like I. I fell in love with her. And I, when I say this, people are like, "Oh, yeah, sure." But I really. It's really important to me that, like, the person I was going to marry has a good taste in film. And she did. The first time we went on a date, I was like, "What? What are your three favorite movies?" She said, "Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, and Spirit." Which Spirit is the animated done. I don't, I range? was. I don't Where's think she range? realized, and I've told her this before, and she's like, "No, you're joking." And I was like, "No, literally." Like, I was like, "She's <laughs> the one."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's like it's like she she mentioned three of my yeah. favorites it's yeah, like, she, she yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she has a great. Name. Done, so I feel done like deal, really, deal. really, That's really awesome. like
1: them. 20, i'm 49. so happy for oh you, man. thanks man so cool. um but dude we're already almost at 1 so i'm gonna have to do where you i'm definitely having you on a, another episode i hope you know that
0: i'd be honored i think there's one more kind of cool thing that I, I you kind of your questions with blade runner kind of sparked uh-huh. my mind with it doesn't relate to blade runner but in a way it kind of does and it's just like it's one of those quotes where it's a little it can be seen as controversial in some ways because of uh-huh. the person it's about but it's always just really given me a lot to think about and it also does have some legitimate you know values when it comes to sort of pursuing you know especially a direction in life that maybe might not seem practical to most mm-hmm. people if that makes sense and it kind of relates to this idea of like you know if you de- if you're de- if you deprive yourself of that journey then you deprive the world of that journey and the world you never know could really need your journey yeah. on some level in its in its progression or something and the quote was from somebody who was like a scholar of like Alexander the great and i'm like ai have a feeling you're yes. a history i love too. history i love history i'm just like a huge i just love reading history and there's this quote by this scholar who studied Alexander the Great. And um, for those of you that might not know, I hope you know, but if you don't, it's totally okay. He basically ruled an empire that covered the the majority of the known world back then at like the Mm -hmm. age of 24. And the quote basically had to do with, the person was saying, you know, if anything, despite all the maybe different ways you can see his conquests and maybe what it caused and maybe who suffered as a result of it he proved that people can be so much more than their immediate circumstances if they would just believe in themselves to go for it and trust in this and trust in that vision of themselves and um, the quote basically said that people who miss out on that self-belief will kill more people than he did oh, wow. in all of his wars Dude. And it's a really and it's really extreme. But I mean, you can take it on a lot of ways of just saying, if you deprive yourself of that belief that could lead you down that journey, you have no idea who could be on the receiving end of your journey and your acts in your life that could really need that Mm -hmm. in their own life. But maybe won't won't get it because, like maybe Ryan Gosling's character, you decide to not go for it. Fortunately, yeah. he decided to go. That is for it.
1: so funny that you and said that quote because I Chicken in Twelve Body Orphans actually says that exact quote. Um, no, I'm just messing with
0: you. <laughs> honestly, I was about to believe you because like there's scenes in the movie that like take like, yeah, wouldn't that be
1: hilarious though? Like, if like I,
0: I was please. like, did I? I was
1: <laughs> like, oh, you were off of that course? day chickens just giving soliloquies like in the <laughs> locker room no chicken's the <laughs> dumbest one
0: i mean um one of the characters one of the characters That's true that's right from, and so i was like i i was i was fully i was like oh my gosh maybe i was like honestly, yeah, I was
1: that's sorry. great yeah you were too busy <laughs> getting my uh my I mean, jelly know- donuts for my trailer
0: yeah i i <laughs> I know it's an extreme quote, yeah, but it's like I, I don't that. know. It's one that I find really. Well, I love that. Well,
1: you know, life is, you know, uh, is the only thing we do, and you know, and me, I my belief is that God put me on this earth to accomplish things, and if I don't accomplish those, then what am I doing? You know, so I, I absolutely agree with that quote. Yeah. But, um, dude, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to have you on another time, definitely next season, or maybe even this season, just because I love talking to you, Noah. You're a great guy. I I would. I'd be you're knowledgeable anytime. about what you're doing. You're not just somebody, you know, this is a great quote. And I'll share this with you. It's, it's not, I don't think please, it's please a, do. longer longer controversial do. as yours, but and not, yours is definitely <laughs> way more important. But I think this one is, is <laughs> it's,
0: No, it, it's all, it so it was, all uh, Stella all.
1: Adler said it's practical okay. to be a Hollywood movie star. It's extremely, extremely hard to want to be in a Eugene O'Neill play. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's
0: I, really? I think I know easy you Do you want to ex- for, explain that? It's so, really
1: easy for anyone to say, I'm going to be famous, especially now with TikTok, YouTube. It's so easy to be famous. You can just be famous within day. You never know. But it's so, so hard to be knowledgeable and passionate about the craft that you're doing to study and do the great works. And Eugene O'Neill is one of the best playwrights of all time. *Iceman Cometh*, uh, *Long je- Long Day's Journey in Tonight, *The Ape Man*, or, or wait, no, that sorry, not the *Ape Man*, the Hairy Ape*. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, and uh, another great it's one okay. I recently read called *Beyond the Horizon*. Um, so I think, yeah, okay. it's like wh- why are we, we we gotta that, that's a we that's gotta a roll up our sleeves book. and really work hard. But, um, dude, you're. So hard
0: and this can re- and this can yeah. to any industry oh yeah the film industry it's like it's one thing to just want to be you know the top of whatever industry you're in it's another thing to want to be a well-rounded you know like deeply involved member of that industry that you want to be a part of or that job you want to be a part of that direction no that i absolutely yeah in. absolutely
1: this is not just for people who want to get into acting or filmmaking this is for people at the cubicle where you feel like I could be manager but maybe I don't want to take that step or maybe you're working dude you could be flipping burgers and you can get above that i mean if you love that you can become a chef right i mean there's so many different things that you can do um, if you put the work in if you
0: know i mean if, if your eye if your eyes if your eyes are open in the right way and you really have the right feeling mm-hmm. about where you want to go the, I mean, the signs will show up. And if you miss it once, it'll come to you again. It'll mm-hmm. keep coming to you until, you know, you're ready to see it. And and then you just kind of follow the momentum. Dude,
1: well said, well said. Um, Dude, I think that's a great place to end the podcast. This has easily been one of my favorite ones I've done so far. I can't wait to drop this. Um, but everybody, uh, do you have like, do you, or do you want people following you on Instagram or what, they can what's your that. handle? <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I, I know.
0: That. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's actually my Instagram handle. Although it was taken by a couple people, so I just to spell it with like weird like lowercase letters and like uh and like okay. asterisks and stuff. I, I, but I'll I'll sh- if you want to share it with people, if someone's asking yes, about it, I can yes, I will, like... I will.
1: And do you have anything um Coming up, or maybe you, do you want to tell anyone about anything that they should go check out? Or,
0: man, I mean, if you if you want, just like God, just go watch. <laughs> you, I was man. hoping you to say that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, like I can say that it might not instantly resonate with you, but the conversations you'll have with people, and even with just yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or the conversations you'll have just researching it online, most often will give you some really cool insight into wherever you are in your life. Every time I revisit it, it gives me something new to go on in whatever stage of life Dude, I'm at. Again, well said. Like, oh my gosh, like you're so you're well you're so well
1: spoken, man. I wish, like, seriously, I'm gonna have to take some like speech lessons with well, you. Thank you. Uh, but it. <laughs>
0: dude it's i mean listen this is a pleasure i just uh, you're such a cool guy to talk to you 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 were you were a cool guy on the set I yeah, you you're like bit, is he real <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no you've always been a very very awesome guy to talk to and i appreciate Thank you so
1: much i always. appreciate your friendship no and everybody i did not pay him to say that he, he means that he's coming from the heart <laughs> um well everybody thank you so much for tuning in uh feel free to give, uh, I know a guy some love on Instagram, and do-
0: <laughs> if you if you if you really do want to find me and you can't find me, uh, just ask Sampley and we can. Yeah, we can absolutely. Figure no, out. I,
1: I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to talk to you again, and also I can't wait to be in a movie directed by you, man. Um,
0: that nah, that that's an honor and i can't wait to work with you as an actor as a writer as whatever you want to work with me however you want to work with me dude, same it. here man i'll freaking i'll freaking i'll freaking lift tripods thank you right instead, if that's what
1: Heck yeah man
0: dude let's cater together next film let's just cater <laughs> both of us <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna take we're gonna take a year off and become michelin star yes. catering
1: service. yes
0: all right, we'll get like we'll get like all the food network stars Ooh, yeah I get, i'll
1: pull some strings
0: all right man
1: Um, well thank you so much again and I'll catch you later
0: all right dude thank you so much all right thanks
1: buddy.